Good morning, church. I've asked my younger son, Ezra, to join us for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 14, verse 1, um, and verses 12 through 24. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table heard him say this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat in the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is not ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go see it. Please excuse me, another said. I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I am on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master, and the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and prompt them to come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Let's pray. Open our eyes, our ears, our minds, and our hearts. We want to know you, Lord, to follow you, to worship you better. We want to be part of your purpose in the world. So make yourself known to us today in your life-giving word and in the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. Christ our Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Today is the first day of my favorite week of the year. It's not just because there's only three days of school. It's not just because we get to eat turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and gravy and pie with whipped cream. And it's not just because we live only a few miles north of Plymouth 
the side of what is thought of as the first Thanksgiving. Of course, I mean, people are giving thanks for one. It's not the first Thanksgiving. Um, anyway, uh, I, I'm tempted to like go off on that. But um, <laughs> some of you know that for the last decade, we've retreated up to Tonipi uh, in New Hampshire with international students from Boston and from New York to celebrate. And um, many of them have uh, never, you know, celebrated Thanksgiving. But it's an awesome time. Um, time is a little slower. We sleep. We hike. If the pond isn't frozen, we paddle. We light a fire. We read books. We sing. And uh, many of these international students that join us uh, don't follow Jesus. Um, remember one year we were joined by four Muslim students, and they noticed the old intervarsity hymnals in, the, uh, in the, the parlor in the lounge. And they said, can we sing some of these? I said, sure. So we spent the afternoon singing, and it was, it was awesome. Um, we also read and talk about scripture like the one Ezra just read. And let me just say, if you're an international student and you don't know where you're going to go for Thanksgiving, talk to me or to Tara after the, uh, the service. We'll take care of you. And your friends, okay? So all this um, has gotten me thinking about invitations and guests and dinner. And the dinner party in Luke 14 um, reminds me that Jesus can be a challenging house guest. He's at a lot of dinners in the Gospels. Um, I'm wondering if you can think of any others besides this one. The Lord's Supper went right to it, didn't you? The wedding, the wedding at Cana, okay, where he turned the water into wine, his first miracle, interesting first miracle. Right? Zacchaeus' house, uh-huh. fed 5,000 people one time, 4,000 another time. That was a big dinner. That's right. Thank you, Sister Ruth. Well, um, yeah, can I say that if you were living in Galilee back in the day, um, you'd need to think twice before inviting him over for dinner. Because you never know what he's going to say. And there's always somebody stopping by that wasn't invited, like, like the woman that uh, Ruth refers to. Or the other woman that shows up at the Pharisee's house and she's crying and his feet are all wet. She's drying his feet with her hair. I mean, with Jesus, it's never just dinner. But in Luke 14, we know it's going to be awkward from the start. It says that Jesus is at the home of a religious leader. A Pharisee, sort of the sort of the equivalent of an evangelical today. <laughs> this is a mover and a shaker in the community. It says he's prominent. And it says that Jesus was being carefully watched. And the Greek phrase here is isen peritonomenoi. It means to watch carefully and surreptitiously and ominously, like an agent, undercover agent. But, you know, of course... We do this with Jesus too, right? 
what trick will you do here today, Jesus? Which of my viewpoints will you confirm? Which of my enemies will you put to shame? You know, so we do the same kind of things. But Jesus is barely seated at the table before he comments. To the whole room, it seems, this guest list is all wrong. So picture this with me. He's sitting there and looking around. He says, you know, uh, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or your family or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. These are his first recorded words at this dinner. Not, hey, Benjamin, I love what you've done with the place. Or, is that pickled herring I smell? I love pickled herring. No, he goes right to it. It's uncomfortable, right? Can you imagine if someone showed up at your dinner and said, dude, why did you invite your friends? So one of the other guests, perhaps in an effort to help out the beleaguered host, offers this, you know, kind of get things back on track, he offers this kind of toast or this blessing that he thinks will kind of settle everything back down. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God, is what he says. But Jesus is undeterred. So, just to be, there is a parable in this text we're looking at, but this is not the parable. This is direct, unmistakable teaching from our Lord. When you give a banquet, invite the people who don't get invited. The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And we know that, you know, eating had a special place in the culture Jesus lived in, right? It conveyed honor and blessing. It showed approval and healing. It strengthened bonds. It brought grace. And Jesus wants these things for the folks who don't usually get them. So I want us to think. I'm not going to go on long, I promise. I want us to think today about what this means for us as individuals, in our homes, so who's missing at your table. And what does this mean for us as a congregation? Remember that Jesus was giving a talk at his home, and those four guys brought their friend on a stretcher, and they're, they're trying to move him in, but it's so crowded, and, and some of the people blocking the way are actually the religious leaders sitting down, engaging Jesus. They can't get in. You know what they did? They climbed up on the roof, and they hacked their way through that dirt roof, and they brought that guy in. They were not stopping until they got their friend to Jesus. So who is missing at our table here at PT? And what are the obstacles that people have to get through to get to Jesus? My friend, uh, some of you know my friend Roger Dewey. He used to be an architect here in Boston. He once came to speak to our uh, Christian fellowship at the Graduate School of Design. And he, uh, he said, look, you've got to be careful when you buy your first chair. 
exemption that because I was buying a chair at that time. You got to be careful when you buy your first chair because that chair goes with a certain table, and that table has other chairs, and that dining set goes in a certain house, and that house is in a certain neighborhood. You see where I'm going, right? And only certain kinds of people are comfortable in that house. And only certain kind of people know how to behave in that house. You see, when we decide to follow Jesus, there are two groups that we're connected with, whether you like it or not. There's those that have chosen to be with Jesus. You know, the followers of Jesus, the Christians, the church, the ecclesia, followers of the way. The second group are the people that Jesus chose to be with. The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, it says here. Let me say it again. Two groups that we are associated with when we follow Jesus. Those that chose to be with Jesus and those whom Jesus chose to be with himself. And both groups are our people because they are Jesus' people. But when some lack resources or have mobility challenges or can't easily find their way, can't manage stairs, whatever, there's a list of things, we have work to do to help them get to the banquet. Jesus said, they can't repay you, but God will at the resurrection. This is a long-term investment he invites us to. Okay, so let's take a look. I had a hard time writing this. Okay, let's take a look at the parable within this story, starting in verse 16. Sort of a postmodern uh, story in a curious way because it's a story about a banquet that's used to interpret the banquet that we're having. Anyway, um, there was a man, Jesus said, who prepared a great banquet and invited many guests. He would have sent them invitations in advance and received back RSVPs. That was the tradition. But when the day finally came, he sent his servant to round up the guests so they could begin. All, one by one, all of them, it says, began to make excuses, all of them. And they sent excuses why they couldn't come. Jesus mentions only three. One says that he just bought a field and needs to go see it. Another says he just bought five oaks of oxen and needs to try them out. Now these are the sort of things that rich people might say. Five oxen was a lot of oxen back in the day. And, you know, having a, a field, I just bought some more property, um, is also would also indicate that people were wealthy. Another says he just got married, so he can't come. Obviously, right? He can't come. He's gotten married. I'm tempted here to go off on this idea that being married somehow is self-evident reason to disengage. I will save that comment for February 8 through 10 when we will have a marriage retreat. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, so the servant returns to the owner of the house with the news, and the owner is not happy, but he is undeterred. 
this banquet will go on. So he sends the servant out to bring the folks in on Jesus' invitation list, the one we already heard, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And it's striking, isn't it, that just like here in Cambridge, they are found in the streets and the alleys. Done, the servant says. But there's still space, and he wants a full house, so he sends him out a third time, this time farther away and out on the highway. Well, those people probably wouldn't have known the owner of the house. It begins to feel a bit like the mission of the apostles to the Gentiles. It begins in Acts 10. They weren't on the original invitation list, it seems. So three, three quick comments. Um, okay, I've got. To, I was trying to get through this. So the Sunday school kids need to bolt. Follow Sister Tara out the back. Take a pause. Isn't it great? We have so many kids learning about Jesus across the street. Thank you, teachers. Okay, so just three quick comments about this um, this uh, banquet. First, the banquet will go on. With or without you and with or without me, God's banquet will go on. His feast will go on. It does not depend on us. It does not depend on our wealth or our talent or our presence. He wants us there. He wants you there, but whatever you decide... <laughs> It's going to go on, okay? Two, the host sends his servant to compel them to come in. This invitation is not like an evite. It's not like a Facebook event. I mean, I find that like many, many people affirm and like, and I'm going to be there at your Facebook event, and only a percentage show. It's not that effective, right? It doesn't work. This is not like that. It's out in the street, face-to-face, passionately using whatever it takes to get people to come into the banquet. The word is compel. And I don't know how to do that here because we're very like, oh, if you want, it's like we're very, well, it's welcome, whatever. But the word is compel. It's stronger. It's it's a, it's like I really, if I was out in that, if I was out in that horrific fire and my neighbor was inside asleep, I mean, I wouldn't like, I'd be banging on the door. I'd be breaking a window. I'd be getting inside and getting them out. You know, I mean that has has plenty of other connotations. But there's, but that's the kind of thing. It's compelling because he wants them at this banquet. So compelling. Third thing, there's plenty of room, and he wants a full house. 
The owner wants a full house, but his definition, definition of a full house is that it includes the least of these. That list we read. The house is not full unless it's Jesus' full. And Jesus has an invitation list. Otherwise, it's not full, no matter who else cares. It's not full, it doesn't include the people that Jesus wants at his banquet. So, um, one of the questions, and I'm, I'm getting toward wrapping up here, friends. One of the questions we ask the kids at Sunday school comes from the godly play curriculum. We ask the kids, where are you in this story? That's kind of Montessori-esque way of doing Sunday school, right? Where are you in this story? Where do you see yourself? And so, maybe you've heard the invitation from Jesus and said, yes, sure I said I'd come to your home for dinner, but along the way, things have come up. You bought a field or some oxen. You got married, say. You got distracted. Originally, you thought it'd be a good idea to go up to God's banquet, but you know how it is. Things come up. But maybe you've gotten tired of making excuses and don't want to miss the party after all. You can repent. You can turn around. Metanoia is possible by God's grace and say yes to the Lord of the banquet today. Or maybe you feel like you are one of those poor or crippled or blind. You want to come to the banquet. Actually, this is the way we all have to come to the banquet. Because if we think we're going to be there on our own merit, um, well, that's, that's crazy. It's in our weakness and our failure that we get to come to Jesus. I'm remembering uh, just where Lisa was uh, sharing with some of us her, um, her experience from getting baptized years ago. She had to meet with the elders of her congregation. And they, they said, well, if you were to uh, um, stand before God, and he said, what, why should you be in here you know, with the rest of us um, and in heaven? And, and she said, well, I, I'm a leader in the youth group, and I tithe, and I read my Bible every day. And I pray for the sick, and I visit shut-ins. She had this list of things. I go to Christian camp. And I said, they kind of stop in midway through this list of things. We don't get there because of anything we we do. It's something that he did. Um, but if you're that poor person that says it's because of what he did, I have nothing to bring to this. Come on in. You can boldly join the banquet because Jesus wants you as his special guest. Or maybe you've been invited and you've said yes and come into the banquet. But it isn't enough to say that we ourselves were the people dragged in from the country lanes, even to our surprise, to enjoy God's party. That may be true, but here's for us. The banquet guests are then invited to become banquet hosts. And now, you heard God's call, maybe, to invite others. You've noticed folks missing your table at home, or the table we set here. And you want to see them brought in, too. You want to see them included. Especially those who are overlooked or rarely invited. You can invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. 
to join the banquet as Jesus' special guests. You know, perhaps the reason that Jesus was so often at meals with people, that he gave careful attention to these things, that he concerned himself with who was included and who was left out, is that these meals were signs that pointed, even in dim ways, to that great banquet table that God sets in his kingdom. Many years ago, a student in one of our campus groups was feeling exhausted at the prospect of inviting her skeptical, hostile classmates with all their challenging questions to our graduate group. In an exceptionally low moment, she said, Jeff, why can't we just have a nice, small, little Christian group? It just does. Is there anything wrong with that? And I don't remember what I said, but I was thinking, well, which one of your friends do you want to see lost? The invitations that we accept and the invitations we extend to lunch and dinner and coffee and banquets and our services here matter. Who is included at the table and who is left out is a matter of eternity. So just help us keep our eye on the ball. Listen to the words from Isaiah 25. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines, on this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheep that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And in that day, they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Amen. Let's pray. We come to you, Lord Christ. Our hearts are full because you extended your invitation and you brought us in. And you sent your servant, your suffering servant, into the streets and the alleys, and then into the highways and into the country roads to compel us. And you brought us in. Give us grace to bring along those you want in your house, your full house, for your great name. Thank you.